0: Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. We uh, hope you enjoyed uh, that. We go through a lot just for you to get a laugh or two, so uh, we hope you enjoyed that. Well, just like our Christmas party, staff party that was kind of fictitious, uh, each of us will receive gifts this Christmas. But um, I just want to, by a sign of hands, how many of you have ever received a gift that you were disappointed in? Just by a Sign of hands, okay, yeah, all of us have. Well, in 1994, my wife Jennifer and I, we uh, experienced our first Christmas as husband and wife. And I wanted to surprise her with something really, really special. And so I went to the mall and I was shopping around, and I went by a pink store that caters for women. Does anyone know what the pink store is that caters for women? Victoria's Secret and I went in and I found what I thought was going to be a really nice gift for Jennifer and for me and I wrapped it in a pink box I put it underneath the tree and on Christmas morning we exchanged gifts and Jennifer opened it up and she was really excited and I was too and so for the next ten years Every single Christmas, I went to the pink store, and it was there that I got a gift for Jen, and she was excited about it. But on our 12th year of marriage, Jennifer was pregnant, and it was the first time in our relationship to experience that. But I mean, I had a good thing going, you know, like 10 years in a row, always getting something really good. So as usual, I went to the pink store, and I bought another item. And like each Christmas before, we exchanged gifts, and Jennifer opened it up and looked into the box and went like this. Ugh, are you kidding me? Now for the first time in our marriage, the pink store didn't come through. You see, and what I've learned is when you're a pregnant woman, the pink store doesn't do much for you. I mean, a pregnant woman doesn't want a negligee, but they want a negla flannel. And, uh, so this year, I went to the pink store, and this is what I got her. Not too bad, huh? Well, each of us have experienced, just like Jen, receiving a gift sometimes in which we've been disappointed. But this morning, what I want to talk to you about is a gift that will never, never disappoint you. This morning, it's a gift that is personal and practical and useful. It won't break, it won't wear out, it won't disappoint. Now, it will change your life and it will last forever, And it is the most expensive gift that you will ever receive. It's God's Christmas gift for you. You know, 2,000 years ago, God invaded planet Earth. And He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to Earth. And it was the most significant event ever in the history of the world. So this morning, what I want to look at is four benefits... In accepting God's Christmas gift to you. And how you can unwrap that gift today. Now, God sent Jesus to earth because he said, I want to be with you. I want my spirit to be in you. In fact, when Jesus was born, the angels came. And if you remember, they said this. You are to call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The first benefit that God gives to us when we accept His Christmas gift is God's presence. God's presence. God's presence is the greatest present you'll get this Christmas. And what happens when you accept His presence is this. You lose your loneliness. You lose your loneliness. Now, God is with us, and He promises us throughout Scripture that He will never leave us, that He will always be with us. And you know, people still, though, battle loneliness. In fact, I think loneliness is probably one of the biggest problems that people face during this time of the year. It's something that we all struggle with. I know that for some of you, you just lost a loved one. You're not feeling too joyful this Christmas. There's a loss in your heart. Someone who was here last Christmas is not here this Christmas. And I know that's painful, and I'm sorry, and I want you to know that we as the jar are here for you. Or maybe you're lonely at this Christmas time because your family is distant. All of your family lives somewhere else, and because of financial means or some other reason, you're not going to be able to be with them. And so you feel this sense of loneliness. Or maybe they're in the military in Afghanistan or Iraq, and you're by yourself. Or maybe this past year, you just went through a divorce. And you've been going through that pain and that struggle, and you feel alone. Or maybe somebody just walked out of your life. They totally deserted you. Some friend. Somebody that you knew. Someone that you trusted. And now it's painful and you're trying to put the pieces back together. Well, folks, if any of those scenarios represent you, and you're feeling a little lonely, a little discouraged, a little upset, a little disconnected this morning, a little abandoned, I want you to know this. God is with you. You're not alone in your loneliness. God is with you. He really is. In fact, Jesus said these words. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Two times he says never, never, never. Now, other people may walk out of your life. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, maybe someone who is really close to you. I mean, friends may walk away from you that they said, oh, I'll be with you forever. But God says this, I will never leave you. I will never walk away from you. Now, when you accept God's presence into your life, you receive three things. The first thing that you receive is God's presence helps you out. It helps you out. The Bible says this, Don't worry because I am with you. Don't be afraid because I am your God. I will make you strong and will help you. I will support you. Now, none of us knows what's going to happen in 2009. I mean... None of us have any idea whatsoever what we're going to go through. But I do know this, and I can predict this. You don't have to go it alone. You don't have to go through it by yourself. There's nothing that you have to go through that you will have to go through alone. If you will tune into the presence of God, God says, I will be with you to help you through whatever. Because when God is near, you lose your fear. When God's close to you, fear doesn't consume your life. Here's the second thing that God's presence gives to you. It calms you down. It calms you down. You know, one of the things that happens is when you're feeling lonely is that it's difficult to go to sleep. Even if there's another person in the same bed, but you feel disconnected and lonely and isolated by yourself, it's difficult to go to sleep. It's hard to sleep when you're alone. You've experienced this before, haven't you? You're laying there and your mind is racing and your fears are exaggerating. And you are thinking about everything under the sun. You're freaking out about small things like, did I, you know, turn off the coffee pot before I went to bed? And everything... It's just consuming you. Everything crowds into your life. And God says in the midst of that, I'll calm you down. In fact, the Bible says this, I will lie down in peace and sleep. For though I am alone, O Lord, you will keep me safe. I love that. Though I am alone, O Lord, you will keep me safe. Friends, God is as close to you as your next breath. And regardless of whether you have drifted or reconnected or whatever, He is with you and He wants you to have peace this Christmas, to calm you down. And when you turn to Him, He will help you out. He'll calm you down. And the final thing that He does is He will cheer you up. He'll cheer you up. You know, like I said, some of you have been going through some stuff and you're kind of a little down this Christmas maybe you're feeling a little down discouraged you know abandoned and the Bible says this your presence fills me with joy friends God wants to give you joy this Christmas and his joy is not based upon the circumstances around you it isn't it doesn't matter what the circumstances are He still wants you to receive His joy today. So the first gift that you receive when you accept this benefit of God's is you receive God's presence. The second gift that comes wrapped up in Jesus Christ is God's pardon. His pardon. In other words, you get a second chance. You get a second chance. The person seated Beside you also gets a second chance. Okay, let's do a little survey. This is uh, by a show of hands. How many of you, knowing what you know now, if you had the opportunity to do it all over again, how many of you would do life a little bit differently? Okay, how many of you would do that? Okay, those of you who didn't raise your hands, we have a word for you, and it's called what? Liar, exactly. Because that's what you are. If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. I mean, nobody bats a thousand. None of us do. I mean, I don't live up to my own standards, let alone God's. Everybody's blown it. Everybody's screwed up, messed up, flubbed up, failed. Everybody has sinned. We've all done things, said things, and thought things that are horrible. And in each of us, if we could, we would do some things differently in our lives. And friends, the good news is, is that God gives you a second chance this Christmas. You know, I'm a terrible golfer. I'm horrible. I have one of the worst slices in the world. In fact, usually like at the holes right there, I have to start this way just so that it stays hopefully in the fairway. I'm what they call a hacker. But there is a word in golf that I love. And the word is mulligan. Okay? Mulligan. Let's all say that word together, okay, on three. One, two, three. Mulligan, okay? Now, for those of you who don't know what a mulligan is, a mulligan means if you make a bad shot, like you put it in the water or in the trees, or you hit somebody on the other, you know, hole, which I've done before. Um, they kept the ball that time. <laughs> yeah, though. Bad situation. Anyway, um, if you hit a bad shot, you get a second chance. And they don't count that first shot against your score. And believe me, I need all the help that I can get with my golf game. So I love mulligans. Because a mulligan really is a do-over. You get a do-over. You know, I was thinking this week, what would it be like if there was a mulligan for every single thing in your life? For instance, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have bought that. Financial mulligan takes care of it. Or, man, I wish I wouldn't have eaten that. Health mulligan. And on Thursday, after Christmas dinner, some of you are going to need that, aren't you? Yeah, you're going to stuff yourself, I know. But you know where we need mulligans the most? It's in our relationships. There are things that we wish we wouldn't have said, but we said it anyways. Things that we have done that we wish we hadn't have done. Things that we have committed to that we promised and then we broke them. I mean, I don't know if this bothers you or not, but I've found in my life that the thing that bothers me most is that I say some of the most hurtful and some of the most hateful things to the people that I love the most. And I hope you don't do that, especially this Christmas. But if you do, you know what you need? You need a mulligan. You need a do-over. And that's what's so great about God. He gives second and third and fourth and hundredth do-overs. In fact, that's why Jesus Christ came to earth. He came to give you a second chance. The Bible says this, Right thinking and right living A clean slate and a fresh start all come from God by way of Jesus Christ. It's kind of like this. Let's say that this whiteboard represents your life. And what God does is he says, I go to it and I write down all the bad things that are happening in your life. All the times that you failed, all the mistakes, all the sins in your life. In fact... Let's just uh, write down a few of these, okay? Uh, Cheating. Lying. Selfishness. Sexual sins. What else? Anger. Unkind words. And I'm sure if we went long enough, all of you could think of a few other things, right, to add on there. Especially in the last few days the you've been Christmas shopping. And um, you could just put on here tons of stuff. And what God says, because of Jesus Christ and the fact that He not only came as the little baby, but the whole reason He came was to take a walk to the cross God says what happens is when Jesus does that, He says because of His death upon the cross, I erase all of the mistakes in your life. All the lying, all the sexual sins, all the anger, all the unkind words, all the selfishness, all the cheating, all the lying, I erase them all. And then God goes one step further and He says I take that eraser then and I put it into the deepest, darkest, I better put it out of here because you guys will keep looking at it. I put it into the deepest, darkest place where no one else can get to it in the ocean depths. I bury it there and then I put up a sign that says, no fishing. And he says, the reason I do is because I know you're going to be tempted to go back and feel bad about things and try to drag it back up. And so God says, I just put it into the deepest part Of the ocean because God says this I've already forgiven you but now you've got to forgive yourself notice this next scripture verse God did it for all of us out of sheer generosity grace he put us in right standing with himself he got us out of the mess we're in and restored us where He always wanted us to be. And He did it through Jesus Christ. You see, God gives you a clean slate. He buries it, and it's all done through Christ. And friends, Christmas is a time to celebrate His coming. But it's also a time to celebrate that He came and then He gave of Himself to you and I when He went to the cross. And when he did that, what happened? When he went to the cross, he erased all the sins in your life. He gave you a clean slate so you wouldn't have to carry anything anymore. And I know some of you say, well, you know, I drift every once in a while. And it seems like, does he just keep on wiping it clean? He does. He's got millions of erasers. And he keeps erasing it and throwing it away. Because he loves you that much. He hung up on a cross for your hang-ups. And He's paid for every single sin you've ever committed. And this is what's amazing to me. Not only did He uh, go ahead and you know, take care of all the sins we've committed, He's taken care of all the sins we're going to commit. The ones tomorrow, on Christmas Eve, on Christmas, next week, next month, next year, 25 years from now, Jesus already has paid it because He loves you that much. That's the greatest gift you can receive this Christmas. It really is. Now, this gift of forgiveness is a free gift to you and I. It's free. We don't have to do anything to deserve it. But it's a costly gift. It's expensive. It's more than the we or whatever the other thing is, you know, that you bought or you're trying to find uh, this Christmas. It's free to you. But you know what? It did take a very expensive price to pay for. And it was Jesus going to the cross. It's the most expensive gift any of us will get any times in our life. It's Jesus Christ pardoning us from our sins so that we can have a relationship with God. I just thought I'd tell you today, God wants to give you a mulligan. He wants to give you a do-over. He wants to wipe the slate clean. He wants to erase the sins from your life. And He wants to give you a brand new life starting today. The Bible says this, Anyone who belongs to Christ becomes a new person. The past is forgotten and everything becomes new. You say, today, Jesus wants to give you a fresh start, a fresh chance, a fresh new life. Because that's what Christmas, in the end, is all about. Well, here's the third benefit that you receive when you accept God's Christmas gift, and it is God's purpose. You get God's purpose. In other words, you find out who you really are. You find out who you really are You know, I've been a pastor for over 15 years, and one of the things that I've noticed is that as I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people, what I realize more and more is that a lot of people are going through life, and they just have no direction whatsoever. They have no direction. They're not directed in life. They're just kind of drifting along. And wherever the wind kind of blows, that's where they go. They go from job to job, relationship to relationship, home to home, church to church, pastor to pastor. They just kind of drift in this thing called life. And the reason why most of us kind of drift in this thing is because we haven't found where our identity lies. You see, most of us try to find our identity in car, In a car or in clothes, in sex or success, or salary or self. But none of these things define your life. The Bible says this, It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we heard of Christ, He had His eye on us and designed us, for glorious living. Did you know that that you were designed by God? Did you know that He planned your life even before you were thought of, even before you were a twinkle in your mom or dad's eye? He thought of you, planned out your life, everything in life, even before you took your first breath. I mean, you are truly custom made. You're special. You're unique. You're one of a kind. In fact, I'd like you to turn to the person beside you, if you would, and just tell them right now, you are one of a kind. Okay? See, look, some of you were fighting before you came in, and now it's all gone away. Now, let me just say this. For some of you... One is enough. You know, we're kind of glad that uh, God only created one. Because if he would have created identical of you, you know, we'd be in trouble. But the Bible says this. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes, including you. He's made you for a purpose. Yes, you were custom made by God. You're one of a kind. And he has a purpose for your life. In fact, Jesus said this, my purpose in coming to earth is to give you life, life in all its fullness. Now, notice that Jesus didn't say this. He said, my purpose wasn't to come and give you religion. He didn't say that. And he didn't say, my purpose was to come to give you rules and regulations and rituals. He said, my purpose is to come to give you life. But why did He do this? Why did He say that? Because most of us really aren't living. We're just existing. You get up in the morning. You go to work. Drop the kids off. Do your thing during the day. You come back home. You flop out onto the couch. You watch some television. Your wife or your husband says it's time to eat. And you go, ugh and you kind of walk over, you know, to the place, and you put your plate out, Ugh! and then you go, and everyone sits, and they, they don't eat at a table, they eat in front of the television, and then you go to the lazy boy, and you fall asleep as you're watching David Letterman, and then the next morning, you wake up again, Ugh! and then you go through the whole thing, day after day after day, doing the exact same stuff. Now, maybe you you know mix it up every once in a while, you go to a party, you go shopping, you go to a Colts game. But that's not living, folks. It's just existing. You know, here in the U.S., one of the things that we talk about often is the good life. And I was thinking about it this week. What does it really mean to live the good life? And to live the good life means this. I'm looking good, I'm feeling good, and I've got the goods. That's what the good life means. And this is just something that I want to tell you. That if you think that's it, that's not enough. The good life ain't all that it's cracked up to be. It ain't good enough. You were made for something much more than the good life. You were made for a better life. A better life that is better than the good life of just things. The better life is a life of purpose. God's gift of purpose for you, the way you were made, what God made you for. That's why Jesus said this, I have come to give you life, not just to live, not just a heartbeat, but life to the fullest. Now the question I'm sure many of you are asking is, well, how do I find the purpose that God has for my life? How do I find God's purpose for my life? Well, first of all, let me tell you how you're not going to find it. You're not going to find it by T-bowing or watching Oprah or Dr. Phil. I mean, they, they think sometimes they're God and they got the whole thing lined up, but they're not going to help you with the purpose in your life. And you're not going to find it by reading Sports Illustrated or ESPN the magazine or watching Sports Center every day. You're not going to find it by reading self-help books. And you're not going to find it from a friend or a family member. The only way that you're going to find God's purpose for your life is, you've got to ask God. You talk to God, the one who created you. You see, you didn't create yourself. That's a false statement that we have in this world. We think we've created ourselves so we can find out what our purpose is. And you can't. You've got to go back to the original source to the manual, to the Bible, to actually pick it up and read it and kind of see what's going on so that you know who this creator is, who this inventor is, who's given you purpose, God himself. So, who can have a kind of purposeful life? Well, you can do it. All of us can. Every single one of us, all of us, no matter who you are or where you've come from. In fact, the Bible says this, in this new life of one's nas- in this new life one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant such things mean nothing whether a person has Christ is what matters and he is equally available to all I love that Christ is equally available to all of us Jesus Christ is an equal opportunity Savior. He's for everybody. It's amazing grace for every single race. And that's one of the things that I love about the criteria for heaven. It's not based upon what the color of my skin is, or what language I speak, or how much money I've made in my life. No, he says that I'm for everybody, no matter who you are. Jesus died on a cross for everybody. Not just the people who think they have it all together, but for everybody. And he said, I did this not for religion, but for a relationship. God wants a relationship with you. Because more than anything else, Jesus came for relationships. Because he's the one who knows you best and loves you most. The Bible says this, Because Jesus was raised from the dead we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. You know, Rick Warren, the um, author of The Purpose Driven Life, pastor at Saddleback, says that when you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you receive three things. And I love this. He says you get your past forgiven, you get a purpose for living, and you get a home in heaven. You get your past forgiven, a purpose for living, and a home in heaven. And I'm telling you, folks, nobody's going to give you that deal this Christmas. Not Kohl's, not Macy's, not JCPenney. Nobody's going to give you that kind of deal. No one ever will. Today, God wants to help you out, but first, you must turn to Him. You must give yourself to Him. That's why the Bible says this. Give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, to be used for His good purposes. How do you unwrap God's Christmas gift to you this year? You just say yes to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you to be the top spot of my life. I've drifted. I'm ready to come back. I've never known you. I want to know you. And you give your life to him. And then he just kind of works out the purpose for your life. Here's the final benefit of accepting God's Christmas gift to you this Christmas God's power. God's power. You receive the strength to keep on going. You know, over the past few months, all of us have been going through a tough time. I mean, you just think about the stock, the stock market crashing. I mean, Jennifer and I lost about 42% of our uh, retirement savings, and I'm sure I'm not talking to anyone else. In- increased unemployment, bankruptcy, high levels of foreclosure. Some of you have lost your homes. Life's tough. Anybody agree with that? Life's tough? Yeah, look, everybody raised their hand on that one. And, you know, sometimes you just get to the end of the day and you think to yourself, you know what? I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I can. And why and why are more people saying that time and time again? And I'm telling you, it's because people are trying to do this thing called life on their own power, with their own strength. Friends, God never meant for you to go through this thing called life On your own strength. He says, I want you to plug into me. Plug into my strength. Plug into me so you don't get freaked out and fatigued all the time. Here's a little test. Just finish the sentence. I'm at the end of my... What? Rope. I'm about to come unglued. I'm ready to throw in the... I'm all stressed out. Well, you guys qualify, I guess, okay? You know how to complete every single one of those. You need God's strength in your life. So where do you get it from? Not television, not a pill, not a drink, not a drug, not a relationship. You get it from the one relationship only that knows you best and loves you most, and that's Jesus Christ. He says, you turn to me and I'll give you my strength. In fact, the Bible says this, find your source of strength in the grace of Jesus Christ. In other words, what God says is, I'm going to give you my strength. The God of creation will place his strength inside of you if you'll receive it. You know, over the past few weeks, I've received several emails from people going through some tough stuff in their life. And a couple I thought I'd just share with you uh, today. One writes, Hi Chris, thanks for calling and checking up on me yesterday. I was one of the employees that lost their job. It was horrible to see all my friends and colleagues being let go. It was like seeing animals being led to the slaughterhouse. Luckily, I was one of the first people to let go. The dismissal started at 8 a.m., and I got the tap on the shoulder about 10.30 a.m. It's been a pretty rough couple of days, but I know that this will be a bad memory. And I'm sure I'll land somewhere with God's help. You know, when you've lost your job, when you're going through something, folks, you don't have enough strength on your own. You need somebody else. You need the strength of God. Another person wrote me a week ago about her dad who was battling cancer. My dad has went downhill a lot in the past two days. We called the rest of the family to come because his life is very fragile. He does not walk anymore, and he sleeps a lot. We called a hospice in today, and they said it won't be long. I want to be with Dad on the other side someday. And then just three days ago, she wrote me this. Dad went to be with the Lord at one this morning. All the family was around when he died. He went so peaceful. We are doing really well because he was ready to go. My mom has her times, but she knows he is in a better place. We don't let her stay by herself at night. Thanks for calling yesterday. I'm going on one hour of sleep, so I'm going to bed. You see, folks, when illness hits your life, when death comes to your loved ones, your power alone is not enough. You can't do it on your own. You need God's strength to help you to keep going. The Bible says this, When you go through the waters and through great troubles, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. No matter what it is that you're going through, and we're all going through some stuff this Christmas. Whatever it is, God promises that He will be with you. You know, a lot of people, Christmas after Christmas after Christmas, they never unwrap God's Christmas gift for them. They just never do. And I just want to encourage you today to unwrap God's Christmas gift for you. His presence, so you don't go through your loneliness by yourself. That your loneliness can be lost. His pardon, so you get a second chance. His purpose, so you figure out what you were meant to really be. And his power, so that you have the strength to keep on going. And do you know how you receive this? You receive it by simply going to God and saying, God, I'm willing to let you control my life. And for some of us, we do a good job for a little while, and then we kind of take it back. And maybe today, this Christmas, would be the time that you'd say, Jesus, you know what? I really do want you to have control of my life. If you would... Why don't you stand and uh, I'm going to pray. And then we'll have a chance to respond to talking about this God who came just for you. Let's pray. God, I don't understand it all. just kind of pray these words in your head silently God I don't fully understand everything I still got a lot of questions but as much as I know I want to receive your Christmas gift for me I want to receive Jesus Christ into my life as Lord of my life God, I've been carrying a mountain of fear, a mountain of guilt, a mountain of stress, a mountain of worry. And today, God, I want you to come and lighten my load. God, take away my loneliness and give me a second chance. Show me your purpose for my life and give me the strength to keep on going. I surrender myself to you today and I want to follow you the best way I know how. Thank you for coming to earth just for me and being willing to go to a cross and conquer a grave so that I could be with you forever. Jesus, I accept your Christmas gift to me this year because I know that as I do that, I receive your presence and your pardon and your purpose and your power in my life that I could go into this year, God, assured beyond a shadow of a doubt that even though the circumstances may be tough, that you are with me. Accept me into your family today, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen.
1: kindness of a Savior, mercy fall on me, and everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Go! Everything I believe in